I used to attend a church where every time there was a baby dedication, the pastor would take the baby at the end, and he'd walk down the center aisle and hold it up like Simba in The Lion King. (laughs) And then he'd say very dramatically, friends, look what God has done. And that's how we would respond. (laughs) Mm. Oh, babies. Their head smells like what God must smell like. Right? Oh. And you see, the thing is that when we dedicate a baby in church, what we're doing is that we're inviting them into the community of faith. We're inviting them into the church, right? And we're acknowledging you're now part of us. Oh, and we're all about that, aren't we? Oh, we would love a community of babies, wouldn't you? Just like babies crawling everywhere, babies doing baby things. They're so easy to love. But we are a community of grown-ups. Well, maybe we're a community of grown-up babies, And grown-ups are hard, aren't they? I had a friend who was a doctor, a pediatrician. She said, I'm a pediatrician because grown-ups smell weird. I like kids. I like babies, grown-ups, adults. Ugh, can't do it. We can relate, can't we? You see, Pastor Joe and I have been talking about what it means to thrive in the Christian life. And what I want to say to you today is that to thrive as a Christian is to be in Christian community. To thrive as a Christian is to be in Christian community, grown-up babies and all. So what does a Christian community look like? Because there's lots of communities out there. Some of you are part of other communities, right? Some of you are like in this weird new thing, pickleball community. Anybody in the pickleball community? Okay, I see that hand. (laughs) Save the whales community. There's all sorts of communities that we can be in, but there's something different about Christian community. And I think if we listen to the passage again, or if I pull some of those themes out, you can hear it. Listen again to some of those themes that Melody just read to us. We know we have transferred from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The Christian community is marked by love. Pastor Mateo was saying it this morning, and we throw it around so easily, but it's not easy. And we shouldn't throw it around. It's how we know we've moved from death to life, John says. If you hate your brother or sister, you're a murderer. And there's no place in the kingdom for murderers. What not to do. What Christian community doesn't look like. Jesus laid his life down for us, and we should lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Christian community is marked by laying down our lives. Whatever that might mean to you for one another. John also says we must practice hospitality. We must share with those in need. 
How can you love if you're not sharing, John asks. A Christian community is marked by the way that it shares and practices hospitality. Which leads to this. John says we must love not in words, but actions. I love you. Show me. But I have warm feelings towards you. Prove it. A Christian community loves in words, John says. And then this. I love this. If, John says, we follow his commandments, which are to believe in Jesus and love each other. You got those two, right? They go together. If we follow his commandments, believe in Jesus, and love each other, get this, we remain in God, and God remains in us, the scripture says. Anybody want that this morning? Now, Mislav Wolf is probably the central theologian writing about thriving today in the Christian life. And he says it this way, that to thrive in the Christian life is to find our home in God and to live in such a way that God makes his home with us. Ooh, that's good. You need to hear it again? To thrive in the Christian life is to find our home in God and to live in such a way that God makes his home with us. That this becomes God's home. Cool, I say. And in fact, that is the arc of Scripture, isn't it? From Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis, God creates not just a world, but a home in which God walks in the cool of the evening. In the Exodus, God lives and in the temple that the people carry with them wherever they go. And in Revelation, we hear how God will once again make God's home among us. Good stuff. So I think what 1 John is saying to us today is that if we keep his commandments, if we believe in Jesus and we love one another, then God makes his home with us and we make our home in God. If we love one another, God makes his home with us, and we make our home in God. When we love one another, when we live in Christian community, when we follow God's commandments, we create a community that God will call home. Well, there's my home meeting on Sunday morning in Pasadena. Guess I ought to show up. God's home, not our home, not our place. We find our place in God, and God makes this God's home. Now, many of you have heard of the great German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You may have read something by him. You may have heard us talk about him from time to time. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer died, was actually killed very early in his life, in his early to mid-30s. He became prominent as a German Lutheran theologian during the time of the Third Reich, during the Nazi rising. And there was a church at the time called the German Church, which 
assumed the Reich, assumed the Nazis. They took the religious symbols out of the room and they put in the symbols of the state, of the nation, particularly the swastika. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, along with many others, created what they called the Confessing Church. You see, the Confessing Church said, we can confess none other than Jesus Christ. We will not give our allegiance to a nation, to a state, to a leader. We won't do it. We will only give our allegiance to Jesus Christ. Well, this put those theologians in danger pretty quick. Now, Bonhoeffer was quite popular. He was writing a lot. He was being noticed by people. He was invited to come to America and lecture and teach. And while there, all his friends said, Dietrich, don't go back to Germany. And he didn't have to. But he did have to. Because for him, the cost of discipleship was when Jesus calls, Jesus calls you to bid to come and die. And when Bonhoeffer got the call to come and lead a secret underground seminary, of the confessing church, he said, I'm in. That'd make a great movie, wouldn't it? The secret underground confessing seminary, come Dietrich Bonhoeffer and lead that, and he said, I will. From that, he wrote this little book. I highly recommend it to you. It's classic. Some of you have probably read it. Life Together. It's thin. It's packed. It's full. It's amazing. It's about the experience, really, that he gained but from leading that secret underground Christian seminary, that community together. And what Bonhoeffer says essentially, in a nutshell, about Christian community is this. It's no small thing. It's not extra. It's not add-on. It's not salad dressing on the side. Christian community is the meat. Christian community is the center. Christian community is the whole ball of wax for Bonhoeffer. He says it so beautifully, I just have to quote him. Is that all right? I know you're not supposed to like read lengthy quotes in, in a sermon, but I'm going to do it anyway because you're smart and you can follow. Listen to the words of what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says about Christian community. The believer, that's us, feels no shame as though he or she were still living too much in the flesh when he or she yearns for the physical presence of other Christians. Humans were created in a body. And the Son of God appeared on earth in a body. He was raised in a body. In the sacrament of the believer, the Lord's, we, we receive the Lord Christ in the body, and the resurrection of the dead will bring about the perfected fellowship of God's spiritually physical creatures. The believer, therefore, lauds the Creator, the Redeemer, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for the bodily presence of another brother or sister. The prisoner, the sick person, the Christian in exile sees in the companionship of a fellow Christian a physical sign of the gracious presence of the triune God. Visitor and visited in loneliness recognizes in each other the Christ who is present in the body. They receive and meet each other as one meets the Lord in reverence, humility, and joy. They receive each other's benedictions as the benediction of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But if there is so much blessing and joy, even in a single encounter of a brother and sister in Christ, how inexhaustible are the riches that open up for those who by God's will are privileged to live in the daily fellowship of life with other Christians. Wow. When you receive me, you receive Christ. When I receive you, I receive Christ. It's a joy. It's inexpressible. Therefore, we can't, nor should we ever take community for granted. Bonhoeffer says this, It's grace, nothing but grace, that we're allowed to live in community with other Christians. But we do take it for granted, don't we? We do take it for granted. Because we've been so influenced by this individualistic world that we live in here in the United States of America that we start to believe that we can be on our own. Just Jesus and me. That's all I need. Just Jesus and me. And we treat Christian community as dessert. Oh, I like it. But I don't want to get too fat on Christian community. I don't want to become too dependent on y'all. I just need to lean on Jesus, not lean on you. And while it's true, friends, that I think you can be a Christian without Christian community, I think you're going to be a puny Christian. I think your spirituality is going to be weak. It's not going to be robust. It's not going to be enhanced like it is when you live in Christian community. Bonhoeffer says this again, Christianity means community. Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. No Christian community is more or less than this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. What does that mean exactly? <laughs> well, two things, I think. First, Christians need others because of Jesus. We need others because of Jesus. We know, don't we, that we can only seek our deliverance and salvation through Jesus. We don't do it on our own. We receive it only through Jesus. And it's God's word that speaks that word to us. It's God's word that pronounces us guilty and redeemed. Thanks be to God. Right? It's God's word that does that. We need this word. And Bonhoeffer says, God puts this word into the mouths of others to communicate it to us. God puts that word in the mouths of others to communicate it to us. Now, sometimes that's like a pastor or a preacher. But sometimes it's a Sunday school teacher. And sometimes it's a Christian friend. Sometimes it's someone in your small group if you have one. It's someone on a Wednesday night gathering around the common table, maybe over dinner. Someone who says something that might call you up short and remind you that you are redeemed and beautiful and loved and blessed. We need all those words from God, don't we? We need all those words. 
We need others in Christian community to speak God's word to us. When we're discouraged, we need our brothers and sisters to speak God's encouraging word to us. When our hearts are uncertain, our brothers and sisters can speak God's word to us. When we can't pray, our brothers and sisters pray for us. When we can't believe or we're having trouble, our brothers and sisters believe for us. When we've lost a witness, someone gives us a witness like Jenny gave me today. Number two, a Christian comes to others only through Jesus Christ. It's only through Jesus Christ, friends, that we can love our brothers and sisters. It really is. It's too hard to love y'all. Some of you more than others, if I'm being honest. And the truth is, I know that for a few of you, if not many, <laughs> there's something about Brad Strong that's hard to love sometimes. I'm old enough now to be okay with that. But it's only through Jesus that we can really do it. And it's only because of what God has done through Jesus for us that we can love one another. What God has done for us, we owe to one another. Do you know that? We honor the forgiveness of God as or by forgiving one another. We honor what God has done in us in terms of forgiveness by forgiving one another. Every Sunday we pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. But I've been wondering, maybe we should say it this way, we forgive those who have sinned against us because you have forgiven us. As an honor of what God has done in our lives, we forgive one another. So this leads to one last important point about Christian community. And again, this is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Christian community is not an ideal. It is a divine reality. Emphasis on the word reality. Christian community is not an ideal. It is a divine reality. An ideal of Christian community is what Bonhoeffer calls a wish dream. I love that phrase. A wish dream. And he says whole Christian communities have broken apart because they were based on a wish dream. People bring their expectations and their wishes and their dreams and their ideals into church. And when those wishes and dreams are shattered, they blame everyone, they blame the church, and they leave bitter, blaming, accusing, and often loudly. Anybody know anything about that? Ever seen that happen? I love how Bonhoeffer says it. But God's grace speedily shatters such dreams. <laughs> Did you get that? God shatters the dream. God doesn't want us to live in these wish dreams, these ideals of our own making. In fact, Bonhoeffer says that the sooner the shock of our disillusionment occurs, the better. If we can't experience the shock or bear it, we lose all hope of true Christian community. If we love our dream more than Christian community itself, we destroy Christian community no matter how pure our motives are. 
When we enter community with our ideal dream, we come with our demands and our agenda and our law, and we judge others and God accordingly. Yikes. This person acts as if they're the creator of community rather than God. And when things don't go their way, they call it a failure. I have a friend, Pastor Jean Birch. She pastors a church here in Pasadena. She's also on the board of trustees at Fuller Seminary. She told me that when she takes new members into her congregation, she makes them two promises. The first promise is that we will disappoint you. That's not a great advertisement campaign, any marketing people in the room. And the second promise is this. And we will be there when we do disappoint you. That's a divine reality, not a wish dream. So what's our answer then? Where do we go? We have to keep remembering, friends, that it's God who creates the opportunity for Christian community. It's through the Spirit, John tells us, that we can follow Jesus' commands to love one another, and God will make his home with us, and we will make our home in God. That being the case, we come to Christian community not as demanders, but as thankful recipients. Were you thankful when you laced up your shoes this morning? When you pulled yourself out of bed early? Did you think, I'm so thankful? I get to drive over to Paz and Ass and be in Christian community. Or did you come thinking, man, they better do X today. If that Mateo does that song again, right? If Pastor Joe mentions the red one more time. Or did you come as thankful recipients? You see, we thank God for what God has done for us and for our brothers and sisters who also continually live under God's promise and the need of God's forgiveness. So you see, friends, when we welcome a baby into the church at that dedication moment, it's easy, isn't it? Because they're new. We haven't seen them sin. We've not yet become annoyed with those babies. We haven't bumped into them. They haven't disillusioned us. It's easy, right? Welcome to the community. But in Christian community with grown-up babies, we are annoyed. We do bump into one another, and we do become disillusioned, thanks be to God. Why? Little secret. We're still all sinners. We're still on the journey. All y'all. And if you don't think you are, you need to read 1 John. Because he says if you claim to be without sin, you're a liar. And the truth doesn't live in you. Or if you think your sin is less than other people's sin, that's also kind of a common thing that still floats around. Better read 1 John again. You see, in Christian community, and this is important, we thank God for our brothers and sisters who will go on living with us 
through sin and in need of the blessing of God's grace. When my brother or sister sins against me or someone else, it is a holy reminder that we all live under the word of God and we can give thanks that both of us continually live in the forgiving love of God in Jesus Christ. You hear that? When your brother or sister sins against you, it's a holy reminder to be thankful that we all continually receive the grace of God. So do me a favor. Stand up for a second. Everybody, if you can. If you can't, it's okay. Stand up. And now I want you to just look around the sanctuary. Look around. You, up here in the front, you can look up there, and you guys can look down here and look at each other. Just look around at one another. You can wave. Look at some people. Catch some eyes. Friends, look what God has done. Look what God has done. You can sit down. <laughs> when we see one another, when we see one another, grown-up babies, we see God's love, God's redemption, God's forgiveness, God's encouragement, God's comfort, God's grace upon grace. And we can love one another for that. We can love one another in spite of that. And when we do, when we do, if we do, we find our home in God. And God makes his home with us. Anybody want to thrive this morning?